What's poppin' world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review, and this is the podcast mercenary show, and today we're going to review Jordan Peele's film, Nope. Now, Nope is a 2022 American science fiction horror film written, directed, and co-produced by Jordan Peele under his Monkey Pop Productions banner, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Steve Yoon, uh, Michael Wincott, and Brandon Perea. So, it follows two ranch-owning siblings who attempt to capture evidence of a UFO uh, that they've uh, found, essentially, on their or they're trying to seek in their in their farmland. Um, it's strange because this film is not, it's not technically a horror film. Let's just get to it. It's not technically a straight up just science fiction film. I mean, it has science fiction in its elements, but it's not like all space aliens like people would assume, but it, it's set. All right, let me just start it off slowly. So in 1998 on the soundstage of a sitcom, Gordy's home, the titular chimpanzee who's on the show, um, is an animal actor. Now, in many series, you've heard many horror stories about animals biting and attacking. This went on the deep end. Uh, So there was a chimp attack, and several of its co-stars being startled when a a balloon popped. It was a birthday episode, and the balloons came out of a box, and it was a big thing. So the show's youngest actor, played by um, Steve Yoon, uh, Ricky Jupe Park, hides under the table and is unharmed, thankfully. Though traumatized by the whole damn experience, the chimp finds Jupe and extends his hand out for a fist bump before being shot to death by authorities. Now, you're not given that off the bat. This is like later on showing you tidbits. You're introduced to character Jupe later on as an adult married to two kids, or three kids, sorry, and he's owning a essentially a amusement park out in the middle of the, of, of, not the woods, the middle of the desert. Uh, adjacent to the farm of our digital characters. So in present day, the digital characters that we speak of, the people that uh, run the ranch across the street from them, uh, their ranch owners, uh, Otis Hayward Sr. and Otis Hayward Jr. Uh, they both train and handle horses for film and television. They're the oldest, I believe, um, black-owned farm in Hollywood and in, in California. So pretty much they were the first ever uh, stuntmen, uh, first ever in a lot of things. So they're... They got Hollywood uh, history in their lineage. And the current owners of this legacy, because the original owner was, I believe, a uh, Bahamian jockey. And he was able to make his money off being a jockey racer and bought land in California, opened up a farm, which obviously is how the family business got started. Uh, so, yes, so Otis Hayward Jr., uh, he's there with his son, the son's a little quiet, um, and a nickel comes down raining from the sky and pierces his skull through his eye and kills him on impact. His son, bewildered by this, thought he was still alive, gets him on to the hospital, and he's announced dead. This makes no sense because they're just there outside on his horse, ghost, that's the name of this horse, it's all white horse, and they're just working a regular day in a farm, and then you hear zipping noises in the air, which usually you hear like from supersonic speed, so... They find out the reason the nickel was even falling from the sky is because a whole bunch of stuff fell out of a plane and at supersonic speed, you know, velocity, it could cut you, it could really cut you. And it really 
he was out there standing his horse and I guess he was just standing in the wrong spot. It's just so strange and one of the weirdest ways, like it's one of those a thousand ways it dies moments. You're like, what the fuck? Like this happens to anybody. But what are the what are the chances? It's a freak accident, it sucks. So now OJ, this Otis Jr., he's trying to keep the busy business going, he's struggling because he doesn't have the personality. If anything, his sister has the personality. Uh, so here we move on. His sister M or Emerald uh, inherited him and his sister inherited their land from their dad. Uh, OG tries to keep the business going, maintain his father's legacy, connections with Hollywood producers, so they can use their animals. But it's it, he has to start over in a way because even though he's legacy, he doesn't have that people person personality. So they're like, we don't know who you are. We just know your dad, and your dad never introduces us to you in order to essentially be. Uh, established, like you gotta, you gotta pop politic a little bit when it comes to these things because we can get other people that we actually know, and you're coming out fresh. Like I'm sorry for the tragedy you lost in your family, but it is a matter of we don't know who you are, and I completely understand how business would work in that, especially Hollywood, where they're unforgiving. So it all makes sense why he has to step his game up and be a little bit more charismatic. So they're out here struggling because this family is very much young. They're very young, and now they're ranch owners at probably near 30 years old, which is not exactly easy for them. So Emerald is a little different. She is more of the character charisma, but she's not trying to be a rancher. Uh, the Haywoods claim that uh, they're the unnamed jockey and then Plate 66, a uh, film by Edward Muybridge, can I pronounce his name right? Muybridge, uh, Animal Locomotion series was their ancestor. So that's their opening tagline to how they got their business started as they're there for a commercial suit with their actors and ready to shoot is uh emerald's busy just trying to like make connections on the side while oj's out here explaining the rules of animal safety having horses on set and all these things and he's looking at emerald like hey i need your help here i'm bombing here i need help with speaking and then she jumps in helps him out and she of course being the very well-spoken young lady she is is able to kind of just ease a moment and the tension and silence too because again oj is a little socially awkward he's just a rancher he does not want to be in the spotlight of course folks you have to understand that <laughs> the number one fear in america outside of death is public speaking so he is trying his hardest with the guy who's a little more modest and not exactly lo loving and speaking in front of a big crowd so not everyone has that gift uh, so here we go on where Emerald takes over and she's there giving this little spiel of the family. Uh, six months later, passed by and they're filming commercial with prominent cinematographer Antler Holst. One of the horses reacts violently when they're showing a reflective image on the by one of the camera guys. OJ was telling him, like, hey, can you keep your distance? And it started the horse and it just caused a scene. And he was trying to keep the horse calm, but they don't like their own reflections, I guess. So... It's, they had to end that tie. It's like, hey, is something wrong with you? Maybe it's just too soon. We'll come back and talk later. And they lost a potential con content, con uh, uh, actual established client probably with the studio that they were working with. So there's so many factors. And it, the whole movie is just, it's one of those things where I like about this film is that it has a pace. It doesn't feel rushed. You don't feel like the people here are, you feel their struggle. They're trying to like, grieve while also trying to financially continue it's hard to focus on staying afloat financially when you just lost your dad in a freak accident and it's just you and your sister and it's a big deal to run a ranch i mean it's a lot of animals they're dealing with here uh a lot of ranch work and it doesn't seem like it has any like, any uh, employees or anybody in the employee helping kind of just like a small family-run business so it's a lot it's definitely a lot so 
Uh, one thing I will say is that these characters come off very human, likable. I like who they portray are pretty much everyday common folk. Uh, Tiki Palmer's character, definitely a bit of a hustler. She makes money on the side while still doing her ranch work for her brother. Her brother is fully committed to the ranch work because he is the guy who was going to take over once his dad uh, would have passed away. And he thought his dad was going to pass away when he got older, not not just here. You know, So it's a lot to take in. And they're both doing their best to somewhat keep their sibling relationship established. But the thing is that uh, Kiki's character is barely there. She kind of comes in and out whenever she pleases. Where he's more, fo where OJ's more focused uh, with staying put in the ranch and getting things done. So things get crazy after this. So the ranch expansion woes have OJ to sell up all his horses and say screw this shit. He, uh, but to this nearby to Jupe actually their neighbor, the nearby operator who owns Jupiter's claim. It's like a little, I guess you can say, theme park. Uh, it's a small western theme park where he exploits the story of the Gordy's Home Massacre for profit. If there's one thing about actors, they will make a boatload of money off controversy and trauma. <laughs> Not something negative. I'm saying you're a child actor. You're, you had a feature film called Kid Sheriff, and then you had a series with sitcom that was going to get syndication, and on the second season, things go awry. What do you do in that situation? Um, yeah, I would capitalize it. I mean, it's a little bit weird the way you capitalize in this situation, but again, everyone deals with grief a different way. And if this keeps this guy like essentially steadily getting a paycheck, I'm mean, who am I to judge? Everyone's got their own, and, and it's successful. A successful theme park. I mean, it's not it's not easy to do these days with large corporation compete. Your competitions are large corporations. There are many family owned theme parks anywhere where I've seen. So. It's, it's actually, uh, you could say, a success story of struggle and, and, yeah, why not? I would think so. Somebody with a child actor on set with a crazy wild animal running amok and you survive it and make a successful living off it, why not? I mean, I, no one's hurt. No one's alive that can be hurt at this point. Uh, so we move on here. Uh, so Jupe is kind of friends, business friends with OJ. They're both similar age. It's just Steve Ewan's character, and he's this, this kid there. And now he's a grown man with a family, a wife, and three kids. So OJ is willing to sell away his horses just to pay, stay up with his bills until he can find another gig. Uh, and Emerald is keen on just not doing this just too soon, just get rid of Dad's property. Like, we'll find a way to stay afloat. Now, throughout the whole film, they have to go to Fry's Electronics and get some new security cameras. That was a really important aspect of the film because they see weird shit going on. Then they make friends with the guy there who is a associate at Fry's Electronics. His actor, Brandon Pereira, who plays Angel Torres, a tech salesman at Fry's. And he's also kind of a bit of a conspiracy theorist, theorist with aliens and stuff like that. And definitely watches Ancient Aliens. Definitely mentioned the Ancient Aliens in the movie. But also, he just got a relationship with a girlfriend who got cast in a CW show. So you know how that goes. She's off getting famous, and he's a regular dude. They're living different lifestyles. It is what it is. So he's going through the grief of a five-year breakup into like just getting back to work and helping people and customer service, even though he doesn't feel like he's up for it. And Emerald's there and trying to cheer the guy up. And they're just there like, hey, we need some security cameras. We're seeing a lot of weird shit happen in the sky. And just the whole theme of the film. They're trying to capture whatever the hell is up there. So 
as they think they've seen the flying saucer. Uh, this is where all of uh, Angel's quirkiness comes out, where he explains, hey, I know there's stuff out there, and I want to get a recording of it it's because I can make some money off this, and we could all make money off this. Let me help you install it. So he goes out there to the out to Resh to help install all this shit. He's like, wow, I don't know. You guys are so far out, and they're so they're pretty much what an hour out, maybe or so, from a nearby city. And he's setting up all the equipment with these modern cameras, aiming at the sky. You know, he's there thinking they're uh, putting cameras up where people are stealing their horses or coyotes. Like, no. They're trying to see what the hell's up in the sky. And that's what I like about this film is like it doesn't give you heavy, heavy, not dialogue. It doesn't give you heavy tone. Like it doesn't just give you everything at once. You kind of, it kind of builds up to it. It's like the first part is kind of slow until you realize that they see a cloud in the sky that's not moved in days after installing the cameras. And the whole point of the movie is they're trying to figure out what the hell's inside of the camera. I mean, sorry, inside the cloud. <laughs> and um, OJ sees a flying saucer shaped thing happening but he doesn't know exactly where where it is and where it's going and the whole movie gets convoluted and then of course angel who is kind of spying on their camera because he sees something is that work with his co-workers working at late shift overnight or something and he goes back to gives them a heads up like hey that cloud isn't moving days i think what you're looking for is right there and this is like Jaws, this is very much an alien, where the monster doesn't show up till the end. You think it's a flying saucer. Come to find out the whole film is about a giant like space and stingray or something like a big jellyfish. And this thing is eating people. Uh, it's crazy, it was eating horses, it was taking certain things. All can be tied to the plot of the whole film was trying to figure out what this alien was. If that was an alien ship, like a flying saucer. Well, no, it's like a saucer-shaped alien who doesn't even have a traditional mouth. It has like a big gaping hole in it. So like, yes, it's abducting people. Like you would think a UFO, a stereotypical UFO would abduct people. But the whole point of the film is them trying to figure out with all this stuff going on, Emerald is trying to rekindle her brotherhood, you know, siblingness with her brother, OJ, who's just so hyper-focused on work. He doesn't really know how to let loose. They're, I mean, they, the whole movie they get to their dad's liquor cabinet put in record records and then you get random blackouts and there's a guy there who's like a tmz guy trying to get guest information on what's going on and uh, interview them and it's a lot that's going on in this film and later on steve Yoon apparently has a show where he has everyone outside and corralled and he puts a horse out and i guess the horse is fed to the giant beast little does he know the beast got him more hungry and ate up and sucked up all of his guests including his whole family so they all got eight but you don't know to the end they're all dead because you're assuming they got abducted like an alien ship later on you find out no this thing is a sentient being and you're like holy shit so the whole film they're just there trying to figure out what this is and all the weird things happening oh there's a cute scene where you think aliens are abducting they were inside the a barn the horses are kept and um you see what looks like a traditional alien in a, i mean traditional like in cartoon aliens like you know the grays with the big eyes and costumes kind of find out it's just steve it's just uh jupes kids in disguise been messing around and again there's a sequence where they have a hobby horse that emerald steals from steve's uh, ranch and uses it as a decoy and they're trying to trap the beast and it's it's a lot going on it's just like they're trying to capture this thing but this thing is smart enough to know what they're doing and but also 
factors of it kind of can block electronic signals so they had to hire a videographer who is an old school like cinematographer uh he works with them on stuff but he didn't want to help at first until he saw the phenomena of things going crazy he's like i want to see this firsthand and records everything on on video on an old crank camera like throwback so it there's a lot that goes on here but it, as the story progresses uh, so that night, the Haywoods, Haywoods noticed their electricity fluctuating and their horses vanishing and violently reacting to unknown presence. They uh, discover an un unidentified flying object and they're trying to figure out how to capture this thing or how to pretty much get it on video because if they can get it on video, they can make millions of dollars on the news or something. So the whole point of the film is they're trying to trap the beast that they're afraid of and almost another cage of wild animal, but you don't know what it looks like or where to find it or how to reach it. That's what this whole film was. A lot of them, like, initially scared because they know things are getting strangely different. Like, there's too many phenomena happening. So they discover this UFO shaped like flying saucer, and it's been devouring their horses and their debris. Again, like a vacuum, which caused their father's death. Actually, because it's the one that when he spits out things at the speeds of like, um, again, like a, you drop something out of a a jet engine at the speeds of velocity would fall it would literally cut through somebody so it's just spitting at stuff and that's how their dad died and it's just tragic because this could have been avoided like his, their dad didn't get eaten alive or anything but definitely got taken out without even noticing so there's no motivated they're motivated by the desire of wealth and fame the siblings decide to document the evidence for money using the recruit from fry's electronics the employee there uh angel who notices that the clouds are not moving and they deduce that it's a ufo this is where they're getting at with this so jupe introduces a live show into jupiter's claim and plans to use the horses of bait to lure the ufo uh, having fed the horse it's the horses he bought from the haywoods in front of the paying audience the ufo arrives and devours jupe and his entire audience and entire everybody just goes so oj deduces that the ufo is not a spaceship but it's a predatory territorial wild creature alien creature which eats anything that looks directly at it so using this same method they use or just how they're trying to the same ways they would break a horse they're trying to break this beast and take it down so oj thinks that he could influence the creature's habits behaviors and capture footage of it at the same time without being killed good luck with that buddy and he even named it after one of the i believe m's first initial horse jean jacket so they gave it a name just to kind of like hey this you're not just ufo you have a you have a set uh, code name just so we know what we're talking about here so the haywoods hire holst for assistance holst initially refuses but he eventually reconsiders after hearing about jupiter's claims incident so after hearing what happened in the nearby jupiter's claim uh claim amusement park he's like okay all this shit you guys brought up it's real and i'm gonna help you capture it but he didn't believe it at first because who's gonna believe a couple of punk kids that you know there's weird alien sightings, especially where it's far fetched to believe these kind of things to begin with. So, Jean Jacket affects electronics. They cannot use electronic cameras to capture it. They have to use a crank camera, like I mentioned. So Holt brings this big enormous old school camera to capture footage with a bunch of like tape film, like you know film tape from like way back when. So with Angel inside, they group up and camp outside. And we're gonna plan to bait this damn jean jacket and watch it—a field of scattered tube-waving inflatable arms of men. That's hard to say, but two times fast. Propped up with batteries instead of plugs for 
electrical malfunctions and disuse its location in the sky. But then this is when a TMZ reporter trespasses in the field and is thrown off from the lack of electricity because he's in an electrical motorcycle. What are the damn chances of that? It shuts down near near Jean Jacket and he is devoured. And they, they warn him, don't stay on the farm. Like, you get out of here. But he's there trying to get footage as well. And he ended up dead. This guy had a mirrored helmet. He couldn't see who the character was. Uh, I'm trying to find out who the actor actually was. It's, uh, Devon Gray was the guy that played. There we go. I looked it up on IMDb real quick. Uh, as right of Mudbridge, a TMZ reporter. Yeah. What did you know? So this is where they eventually uh, have the have they eventually feed the the, the alien. Um, the giant uh, Jupiter's claim like balloon of Jupiter himself. And that um, that much gas in that balloon exploding it, it exploded the creature. So it changed before this happened. It changed its form. It went from a circular UFO-like thing and morphed into a jellyfish creature when it was ready to eat and devour. Because it got pissed. It just almost like one of those dinosaurs that kind of opens up its its flaps where it's about to strike. That's how this creature's been because they're they're baiting it and he's not getting fed. Uh, protein I guess because he's eating all these objects that he's spitting back out and the end towards the end they're able to lure the creature into the nearby Jupiter's claim with Emerald on a motorcycle and tethers a giant balloon mascot uses that distraction and there's an analog camera in a well that you see previously kind of foreshadowed in the movie where you can crank it and get with a quarter and get a picture like if you're looking down a well and that's what the, she used uh, with the infinite quarters that are coins that are all scattered through the park to take a picture of the beach preacher as it's devouring the balloon and actually blows up as the balloon just bursts in air so the picture is proof the creature exists and reporters nearby know are there with cameras and the whole news team so M and OJ luckily survived this uh, and are able to hopefully uh, capitalize this and make money off this and just like how Juke himself, Ricky Juke Park, uh, former child actor and owner creator of the theme park Jupiter's Claim, is able to capitalize on his traumatic experiences. Uh, the Haywoods are able to do the same and financially keep their ranch and hopefully expand the ranch with even buying Juke's property because I don't, I didn't think we see his kids get devoured, but let's just assume that everyone got devoured like it was pretty much like a giant vacuum when this creature just sucked all of them up but man this was, was quite the fun experience this movie was lit this movie was so much fun a lot going on hard to kind of explain things if i sound like a crazy person myself but it was just an experience altogether i had fun watching it uh what can i say i mean three for three for jordan peele five out of five stars that's all how much attention I paid to the film, how much I enjoyed the film, the actors in it. Uh, this, this Brandon Perea, who's a new actor playing Angel Torres, it's definitely a good addition to the cast here. Uh, and the guy who played the cinematographer, Michael Wincott, my gosh, he had, who plays Antler, Antler Holst, the renowned cinematographer. He has quite a voice. Sounds like a guy that's probably even in like commercials, barbecue sauce or cars. He has that kind of like, 
gravitas when he speaks and definitely he, he went with guns a-blazing because he recorded the creature in devouring him on on film and it was just sad because he knew he could not run it and that's more footage that they probably have with the uh dissect the creature uh later on which the government i know for a fact is going to try to do but yeah this has been the review for jordan peele's film nope it's it was fire this thing was so much fun and you know what it's one of those films you kind of watch it once and you're good because half of the enjoyment is trying to figure out what the their the what the phenomenon is and once you realize what it is similar to jaws and predator not predator i guess predator yeah alien it's like yeah you can it has repeat value but i i'll never get the plot taken out of my head it was such a genuinely different take on science fiction horror and it's something so simple but they made it seem so intricate which i loved and enjoyed there was some suspense uh you thought the aliens were gonna attack oj as he has no gun on him and it's just a bunch of kids playing stupid like honestly if kids just out of my press my property dress in a costume i'd, I'd start shooting too if i was a farmer because i don't know how many of you there are and like you're all here just playing tricks on me it's like that Danny DeVito meme where I'd be like, so anyways, it started spraying. <laughs> all right, well, thank y'all for tuning in another episode of the Podcast Mercenary Show. I am the Podcast Mercenary himself, Christian Joe Ramos, back at it again with another review. I hope you all enjoy this long-winded ass review of Nope. And until next time, thank y'all for, for staying tuned. All right, I'm out. Peace.